0: You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 603, the weirdness of the Coronation Concert, the first all-women rock band, Frankie Goes to Eurovision, the return of HMV to Oxford Street, and victory for Ed Sheeran. That's all coming up after Echo and the Bunnymen and Ticket to Ride.
1: Described by Ian McCulloch as the greatest pop song ever written Mm. and his favourite Beatle track of all time. And that was Ian McCulloch with his band Echo and the Bunnymen in 2001, covering Ticket to Ride.
0: That was brilliant. uh, I'm a huge fan of the song and Echo and the Bunnymen. So that's very much a yes from me, Clive. Very, very
1: keen. Welcome to the Parish Council. It's episode 603. Mm. I'm Terence Stackham and here's a woman who could carry Penny Morden's sword with one <laughs> hand tied behind her back. It's Juliette Harris.
0: I mean, that is too kind. I would also have to take painkillers like she did. I don't know why on the Today programme, which, you know, I remember when that was a serious journalistic programme, mm. I woke up to listen to the breaking news and heard Penny Mordaunt telling me that she'd taken painkillers. I mean, I, that that is not news, love. I take painkillers every day for various reasons. <laughs> Can I get my slot on Today? Anyway, very much enjoyed the meme going round. Of uh, of course, Penny Mordaunt appeared on Splash, the short-lived she um, ITV1 diet. Diving show celebrity diving show and someone did a sort of a um, a montage on twitter of photos and went the prophecy fulfilled and the sword handed over penny mordaunt <laughs> returns to the lake and yes. then there was of course a photo of her diving uh, on splash anyway good morning everybody
1: we mentioned last week about how the coronation concert might turn out to be awkward and a cringe mm. fest listener It was even worse. (laughs) Lionel Richie looked weird and sounded weird. Uh, Katy Perry came wrapped like the toffee in Quality Street. (laughs) Mark Owen of Take That had Cuban heels that even Simon Cowell would refuse for health and safety concerns. (laughs) Jules, did you manage to enjoy the Coronation concert?
0: I mean, I've only seen the highlights, and I have Mm. to say, having seen two minutes of it, I don't feel feel compelled to watch very much more, I must say. I hope that everybody that went had a lovely time, but um, yes... Like you, I found, well, Lionel Richie brought me flashbacks. So, do you remember our friend Elton John shouting in front of that hedge during lockdown? <laughs> yes, I, I, there yeah, was yeah. there was a shoutiness to Lionel yes. that made me think, whatever happens with the sound there, I, I think they get performers. And this is part of the problem with big stadium performers turning them down. I'm not saying that Kate Perry isn't quite mm-hmm. big. She is, of course, as is Lionel. But because they don't tend to get people that are you know, sort of stadium ready. Lots of people are using the excuse of being on tour not to be able to mm. perform. You end up with people who I think think that because of the sound they have to be louder than they are in order to fill the space as a result of which everybody goes a bit shouty I thought take that were reasonably good value actually despite as you say Mark Owen's bizarre footwear I thought they were they were a good I mean little Mark Owen bless him seems mm. to get <laughs> littler and therefore bigger shoed as time goes on but um, yeah I like you I mean I, I didn't have huge amounts of interest in it so it probably wasn't for me anyway really but yes it was all a bit shouty for my my taste i must say but you know having said that if people want to enjoy it good for them you know my, my view is i'm happy for this to sort of happen away from me if other people enjoy it fine i haven't got the energy to get wound up about this sort of stuff anymore Said yeah. he. well
1: the, the wince meter was high for sure but top marks to hugh bonneville for introducing king charles as the artist formerly yes. known as prince i thought that, that, was, that was a lovely good
0: that gag. was a lovely line yeah. well
1: done but, uh, yeah, we had Tom Cruise making a tribute uh, seem all about aggrandizing himself. And as you say, take that, rounded it off because, well, it's written in law, isn't it? That either Emily Sandé or Gary Barlow must oh, perform gosh. at these things. It, it, mean, it's, it's it's, a law.
0: It absolutely as Me and my, my quizzing friends have a have a metric, by the way. You know, we, we used to have BC and, uh, and AD and now we have before Common Era and Common Era. But we have two eras for whether or not one is good at music quiz is which is before Emily Sande at the 2012 Olympics and after Emily yeah. Sande if it happened before Emily Sande appeared at the closing ceremony of the 2012 London Olympics I'm likely to know it if it happened after that point I'm less likely to know it so if anybody else wishes to join me in the, in PS mm. and ES or or rather PS and PS pre Emily Sande and post Emily Sande you're welcome welcome to join
1: me in that era the all women um or woman american rock group fanny i remember them Mm. from the 1970s i'm sure i can recall seeing them on the old gray whistle test Mm. they they never really broke through their fourth album mother's pride was produced by todd rungren and it was Mm. well received by the music press got some radio play but then they disbanded and not much has been heard of them since but this week the BBC brought them back into focus, Jules, with the documentary "Funny: The Right to Rock."
0: Absolutely, it was me that suggested we watch this because, mm. of course, it was. And um, and so. I was thinking about how to talk about this because, of course, it's it's a brilliant film. I really enjoyed watching it. And when we talked the other week about spoilers or no spoilers, um, mm. I really want people to see this. And I think that the thing that makes this film so good is that something slightly unexpected that changes the story happens about 20 minutes from the end. Mm. So I think I will try and talk about this in vague terms mm. and not specific terms. But I thought this was a great film, actually. A great, it was done as a documentary film rather than a... Sort of a, a, a TV type thing, which meant, and I thought this was really interesting. We had lots of talking heads. Bonnie Raitt was good value. One of the Go Go's, all sorts of people, but none of them were labelled, so it didn't have Wasn't Bonnie that Raitt. Sing. No, I didn't find this no? annoying. Actually, said oh, I'm sorry you found it annoying. Mm. As always, I will take a different. Well, a couple monopoli- of times,
1: I just wanted to know who the hell's this.
0: Yes, yeah, well, fair enough. Well, that I would take a predictably more Pollyanna-ish take on this, mm-hmm. Terence, and say that actually, what I thought the effect it had was that people were just talking as fans of Fanny, as as, as supporters mm. of the band and actually I quite liked the fact because it made the point that Fanny, one of those bands that were a real musicians band as well people like David Bowie got on board with them quite quite early on, lots of people did and I thought it just added to the effect that Fanny is one of those bands that, that loads of people in the know really like but never really caught on to sort of worldwide fame so actually I quite enjoyed that aspect of it although yes it would have been nice okay you need to know which of the Go Go's it was, but anyway, it was it was it was good. I thought it was very well told the story. Um, they handled sensitively the fact that one of Fanny no longer wishes to be involved. I think that was that was she was not written out of the story. I thought that was good. Um, it I found it very moving in parts because the because because it followed them through time and has followed them sort of coming back within the last few years. I thought it was brilliant in that you saw all the old footage of them. I love the fact they were taken into the hearts of Britain as well. I had no. Idea Idea they'd advertise tea. That was genuinely hilarious. There was lots of great archive footage in this. But we saw Fanny, the, the remaining members of Fanny, sort of are older, as one of them said, I might become world famous in my 80s. She's 69, you know, and I'm recording this new record. Maybe they'll do a Buena Vista Social Club when those dudes became world famous in their 90s. But I thought it showed what a great band they were, how talented they were. And of course, it became more, as someone said, when they're coming back now, as well as fighting against sort of, you know, sexism and racism. They were of Filipino origin, which I didn't know, actually. So it was interesting to hear that part of the story. And also how the majority were gay as well. I thought that was that was brilliant and show what sort of important band they were in many ways. But now they're fighting against ageism as well. And I just I thought it was such <laughs> an inspiring story. Um, And the last 20 minutes, uh, something, uh, something mm. happens to one of the bands and it becomes... It, there's just another layer of kind of move. It becomes so more moving. Another em- emotional layer is added on. And I just, I thought it was such a great film. I thought it was so inspiring. It told a story that hasn't been told enough about Fanny and how pioneering they were and how good they were and how it, you know, it, it just didn't happen for them, as someone put it. It just wasn't their time, as Bowie said. But I just, I was very inspired by how inspired young women were by them. And we see one of them start up a sort of a young woman's band camp type affair and she shreds magazine turns up i've got a few she shreds magazines so delighted Mm -hmm. to see them towards the end as well i just thought it was great i would recommend anybody who's got an interest in in sort of rock music in general and particularly women in rock watch this because I just thought it was a beautifully beautifully filmed story I liked the fact that aside from the member that didn't appear the band didn't appear to have fallen out together and and their sisters involved and it was a real kind of affair of love by the end and I thought that was wonderful so I thought this was brilliant
1: it was an interesting documentary, which can, it confirmed my memory that when they were touring and, and getting TV exposure in in the early early um, hard rock part of their career, yes. because they did change. They yes, changed they completely did. from sort of a hard, really driving rock to a kind of glam rock, yes, um, more poppy type um, it, feel. It,
0: and which was a shame, I think, in a way. And I think that they they regretted that as well. Slightly was the impression I got.
1: Yeah, I, I just felt that from memory, I was in I was in the music business at mm. the time, and I I do remember them as being very hard to book out. Mm. Um, that they, they weren't, uh, you know, they were a hard sell. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I remember. I always felt, and like this this. I don't know. Maybe controversial. Their songs were their weak spot mm. uh, when they were in doing their hard rock thing. They 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 didn't seem to have the material. By the by the time they changed their sound to join in with the glam rock era era, I I I felt i mean, going up really mm. opposite to what you're saying. That their songs were much better and accessible. But the oh, circus had left town. Yes, um, maybe. I thought their manager overstated their importance um, back in, in, in the day. He called them the female Beatles, which I thought was, you know, certainly. They well, they were bad.
0: trying to sell them as that, I think, weren't they? Hence yeah, why they yes. rather shockingly got rid of their singer, who, um, who to be fair, didn't seem to bear a grudge and is now drumming. So <laughs> so actually, that, that seemed to work.
1: And by the way, in no way being uh, sexist, just being realistic, the drummer has worn so well. She, yes. I, mean, I thought she was about 40, but she no. must. Oh, to be in the 70s, you know, it's ridiculous,
0: it's isn't it? And I love the fact that they brought the other drummer who was brought in mm. who ended up replacing her. The two of them drummed together because we see footage of them yes. playing at House of Blues and things. And I think it is so lovely that they that the vast majority of Fanny seems to have stayed as a sort of a unit in people's lives. I love the tales, by the way, of Fanny Hill, the house where they all lived when they first got signed. Mm. And uh, yeah, Bonnie Raitt sort of wryly commenting on the fact that blokes love you know, bloke many blokes would love the fact that all of these women women wandered around in states of sort of undress, yet the vast majority of them were gay. So it it was, you know, great tales of rock from those days.
1: I, I felt um, their new material, uh, which we heard a, a fair bit of towards the end, um, th- the comeback, in fact, was the main point of this yes. documentary. Their new material sounded really good. Yes, it was uh, great, <laughs> was Really, yeah. we'd like to hear more. Yeah, it was a very well-made documentary. It was fascinating to catch up with these women's lives. Yes. And as you say, plenty of ups and downs for sure.
0: Yeah, it was brilliant
1: fanny the right to rock it's available in the uk on the bbc iplayer and i see it's going to be available for the next year until april 2024
0: Brilliant! and also check out fanny walks the earth which is the uh, the
1: the um the, the, the kind of the comeback stuff mm. Mm, indeed coming next frankie goes to eurovision <laughs> very good <laughs> uk entries over the years that's right after of course Fanny.
0: resist picking a, of, picking a bit of fanny's music uh ain't that
1: peculiar a great version of a great tune in my view yes it's a really good cover um uh, it, it, i think it's the best track on that album recorded in the basement at apple in savile road
0: absolutely and there's a lovely bit in um in, in the, the the documentary where they talk about how excited they were to come to london to record at abbey road studios jeff emmerich did the indeed. engineering for them which they were very excited by being big beatles nerds so yes always as as we are beatles nerds terence we should embrace our fellow beatles nerds
1: indeed well here's the thing um to com- commemorate the eurovision song contest yes. being hosted in liverpool came Ray. the unexpected announcement that frankie goes to hollywood were getting back together and appearing live at St George's Plateau in Liverpool, and it was to be broadcast on the BBC. But when they were introduced, I thought this is strange because a roadie seemed to be still wandering around looking a bit lost. And then as the music started, I realised that the roadie was, in fact, dancer and backing singer Paul Rutherford. Mm. Um, Then they did one song and walked off. A a peculiar appearance, Jules. Yes,
0: I mean, I... They didn 't really seem to understand what they were doing there, I think, and that kind of that kind of transmitted itself to us the watching audience at home. i don't know how it went down in the stadium, but yes, I found this rather chaotic to the point where I was relieved when you sent me the footage from the enemy because I wondered if I'd dreamt it. No, it turns out I didn't that did actually happen yeah. it's a shame because I was quite looking forward. I thought it was a great idea to have them actually, but um yeah it it one of the things it should have been much better than it was, I think it just seemed. It seemed rather like you say the wandering about of Paul Rutherford. It, it felt under rehearsed and under baked to me. I, I felt that that you know that that had they been told that afternoon they were doing it, I'm not sure. It seemed a bit chaotic to me.
1: Well, that's right. I mean, Paul Rutherford looked like he'd been doing the gardening. And then slept on the sofa uh, yes. for an hour or two, and you know, his clothes all roughed up. Yeah, and someone, they someone
0: woke him up and went, Paul, you're, on. Said, right, you're yeah. on
1: stage. That's right. I mean, back in the 1980s, we mainly knew Frankie Goes to Hollywood by their videos on top yes, of the Pops and they, very true. They, they, they covered up the fact um, that by being in videos that other than Holly Johnson, uh, maybe Paul Rutherford, the rest yeah. were not the most charismatic band of brothers. No. That was confirmed by it. You know, was such a half parted visually beige performance of Welcome to the Pleasure Dame. It was re- rather sad really. Mm,
0: it was and of course there had been a sort of a big battle involving Frankie Goes to Hollywood mm. and there was a huge falling out they they dissolved in 87 Um, in 2003 this is so good, the band's rem- members appeared on VH1's Bands Reunited I'll but did not it. perform yes indeed, mm. they performed at the Prince's Trust charity concert the next year with a new vocalist Ryan Malloy and they were performing under the name of Forbidden Hollywood due to a legal battle with holy johnson over the rights of the name until 2007 and you know whenever bands are falling out over rights to the name that's never a never a great sign is it and we will go on to talk about bucks Fizz at eurovision who bless them now have to perform as the fizz thanks mm. to uh thanks to the the endless battles that we've, yeah mm. indeed thanks to bobby g and co so uh, yes
1: indeed yes. I don't think I've ever felt so alone. The phone stops ringing. You never hear from anyone again. That's a quote from Alex Lark from the group Electro Velvet, who represented mm. the UK in Eurovision in 2015. And they came 24th. And mm. he talks about being so demoralized. Um, as it, there appears to be no aftercare. It's sort of like losing yes. lose your career is snoozed. Um, Jules, this was from... An in-depth report in uh, *You're the Guardian* this week about the effect an appearance on Eurovision has for UK entrants.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I really feel um, I really feel for for people that end up. Um, Trying to do, um, tr- trying to enter and trying their best, and I think you get put, you get persuaded as a as a British performer, and within the last sort of couple of decades particularly, apart from you know digging Bonnie Tyler up and digging Engelbert Humperdick up, by and large it was seen as a sort of a, oh you're a young performer with a little bit of a following, you know this will be your ticket to stardom. Except the British songs have not been good, with the exception of the honourable exception of last year's Sam Ryder which, of course, is how we are here, how we are hosting Eurovision, essentially, because we came second. We probably would have won had it not been for the situation with Ukraine. But bless them. I'm glad that they did. And we are hosting a party at our house for the, for Ukraine, as the May Muller, the likable British entrant for this year, put it. Um, yes, it's odd, isn't it? There's a lovely quote in this from Nikki French, um, who was the UK entrant in 2000. Um, Katrina and the Waves have won it three years beforehand with a very very strong song. Um, Nikki French had had, um, she'd she'd been a cruise ship entertainer. She'd had a hit with um, a cover of uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. So this is a very small world in the Eurovision world (laughs) viewed beforehand, but then the hits had dried up. So she was very pleased. She said, Oh my God, I'm no good at sports. So this was like my Olympics. Um, Oh, It had an awful title. It was called Don't Play That Song Again. Does nobody think things through when it comes to, you know, what newspaper, Headlines that bit. Yeah. It was described as an aber adjacent power ballad. That's my personality. I might define my personality as an aber adjacent power ballad. And so, very on brand for New Origin, she said, she finished 16th and she says, and I, she comes across as very likable in this interview. I'll say it before you do. That was the lowest the UK had ever come at that point. I said to one journalist afterwards, I think if it was from the Evening Standard, that I blamed the British beef crisis. I was joking, of course, but everyone came back and said, no, your song was just a pile of poo. My apologies to Nikki French, who hosts a big Eurovision party in London each year with um, with uh, Paddy O'Connell from Radio 4. And she says this is quite interesting. She says career suicide. It depends how you look at it. At first, yes, it was hard. I've been hoping to go into musical theatre, but coming 16 didn't really help with that. But it still gave me other opportunities. I still play shows all over the world. May is my favourite month as I'm always busy there and the media always want to talk to me. I'd love to be part of the TV specials they're filming now, but no one seems to be asking. Hey-ho, that's fine. I'm still here, still working. As it happens, she says, I'm having lunch with Katrina later today. Guess what we'll be talking about? So mm. so I think it depends it Depends what you, where you are and how you make of it. And of course, let's not forget that Nikki French, when she entered Eurovision, was 35 years old and had already had some success at that point she had had a hit the same mm. with blue the british boy band that 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 entered in i think 2011 possibly um mm. they'd already had a um had a had you know had a success in their career, so as a result of which, can be a bit more sanguine about it. Whereas your poor man from a from Electro Velvet, um, mm. well, you know it's it's a little bit um, it's unfortunate if you start off. Poor old Suri, who was stage invaded, I thought it was an excellent song. She did herself a great credit by continuing to perform through that, and then heroically photographed in McDonald's after the show. So so mm. much much to like about, and much to feel sorry for these people entering. It became the curse of Europe and who knows, maybe the success of Sam Ryder will revive Britain's Fortune's long-term new Now That sounds good this year. I'll be interested to see how May Muller gets on. I mean, I feel for the people who feel like they've been... um they've been sort of put elsewhere. I think lots of these people were, were at the mercy of the poor quality British decision-making process. Poor old Scooch, who, uh, who did Flying the Flag, dressed as air hostesses. Who be, oh, I think everyone hoped they would do a Bucks Fizz. No, they did not do a Bucks Fizz. Mm. Interestingly, they were really surprised. Um, there was a Brit, the British sort of Eurovision picking entry contest, which has been televised uh, until fairly recently over the years, and involved public voting which perhaps wasn't a great idea looking back on it
1: Yeah exactly the music business is a very harsh place oh anyway but looking yeah. At the misfortunes of the UK Eurovision entrance in this Guardian piece, it seems that most have suffered after the almost inevitability of coming last in the 2000s and 2010s. And that Alex Larchap, who described being put on a plane and sent home without help or support, Mm. and that's very poor and doesn't reflect well on the BBC or the organisers, really. The Telegraph, the Daily Telegraph has gone a bit euro crazy this week, um, including ranking all UK mm. entrants in history from 65 to number one, as they put it, from the ridiculous to the sublime. Uh, indeed, from Gem- uh, Gemini at number 65 to a top three. There's a top three. Mm. Sam Ryder, Kathy Kirby and Katrina and the Waves at number one. Um Have they got that right, Jules? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I found this interesting that I would have...
0: Usually when we're told the story of Britain at Eurovision, you get told all the stuff like puppet on a string is best and boom, bang, a bang and making your mind up, which still appears quite high, I think. I think it came fifth. Um, But I was interested in the fact that they... They weren't necessarily taking the sort of the good old days nostalgia approach that people usually do. Um, it was interesting. Uh, they placed Love City Groove quite high, which I enjoyed at the time. They 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 placed Children of the Universe by Molly um, quite surprisingly high, um, which I thought was a good song that that deserved better. Um, Love Shine a Light is a cracker of a song. It really is, and it was one of those songs that really could have been written in a lab to win Eurovision. And I think lots of us were pleased to see the likable. Sam Ryder succeed last year and that Britain actually appeared to have thought about the sort of song that would succeed um, because we did that for, for Katrina and the Waves but did not do that in, in future. By the way for, for those of you that are interested in Katrina and the Waves news um, I was a, a friend of mine is a big Eurovision fan to the point where he often attends the national finals of different countries to select Eurovision. I believe he was in San Marino a while back and I had a report from him on the 15th of April Saturday said at a Eurovision preview show in Amsterdam, where it turns out that Katrina from Katrina and the Waves now performs as Katrina formerly of Katrina of the Waves, which I felt mm. might be of interest to you. Yes, it is. So, so she is the artist formerly known as Katrina from the Waves, mm. except she's still known as Katrina. So she has to be Katrina formerly Another of Katrina of the I Waves. Suppose. Yes, I wonder. I wonder if the Waves, like, like mm. when Talking Heads split and some of them reformed as the Heads without David Byrne and called, them, called their album No Talking Just Heads, maybe. The waves uh, could do some sort of equivalent thing. I don't know. I thought it was an interesting take, actually. This I know we love our lists around here. Mm. It was interesting to see songs rated as songs rather than necessarily by the level of success they achieved, um, which I thought was 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 an interesting take on it. And I do like. I know that Love Shine Light like won, so that's the exception to that rule. Mm. But it is a great, it's a genuinely great song. I I you know you have these occasionally chaotic experiences in your life, Terence. I there's a there's a local gay bar to me called the Forbidden Fruits, rather brilliantly, that's on the on the <laughs> seafront. And I was, I was wandering back from town and was persuaded by someone to go and have a drink in there. Um, and, and we wandered in the middle of some sort of drag. This would have been about this time last year, because we wandered into the middle of some sort of drag show where a Brit, I can't remember what the woman was called now, but she was fantastic, was leading everybody through some Eurovision numbers. And a love shiner lights began to start the whole bar knew every single word everyone was belting it out i was trying to buy a drink and me and the bar person had to stop whilst we both belted it out and then and then you know resume the transaction but yeah it's it's very much loved by people so actually love shine a light excellent work for britain both in the fact that it won and also it's a really good song
1: I have a bit of a, a distaste for the UK entries over the 65 mm. years. I I can only put together a top three, and um, so I'm going to reveal my top three to you we'll now go of on. all time. At number three... Yeah, delightful Mary Hopkin. Knock knock, who's there? From yes, 1970, that was very good. That was she very came good. second, beaten by Darna. Um, number two. Which well,
0: is also a delightful song, by the way. So that's a very yeah, good one too. All kinds of I everything I All, all kinds of me, me of you. Remind you, me Julius. of you. Oh, thank yeah. you. And, and likewise, he. Likewise. Also, it it it, it launched Darna to the point where she had a run for president, didn't she? If Imagine. I didn't at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah.
1: Very successful political career. Yes. um n- Number two, really, I picked because she was my first crush. Oh, and God Sa- Sandy Shaw, yes, um, with her—that's a very Euro umpa 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 puppet on a string. Yes.
0: I think she grew to hate that, but it isn't. I accident. believe so. Yeah, it's beautiful woman, but she yeah. delivers
1: it beautifully as well. She does. Number one, unexpectedly, but I thought this was a cracker. The shadows. Let me be the one. Oh um, yes, I, I remember we them ne- you never hear long.
0: that now. I don't think I've you... ever heard it. You know, it's a
1: great song um bruce welsh forgot the lyrics in the in the first <laughs> verse oh uh live at eurovision which i thought you know they helpful, managed to get yes. through that quite well um i think it's easily our best entry in history it's a great song excellent performance um they came second to the netherlands with um teaching's brilliant um ding-a-dong
0: oh that is fantastic Possibly even one when of the your best. lover
1: has gone 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 ding-a-dong
0: uh, that is that is one of those that's, that's proper eurovision for me that is is incredibly daft and silly and not very serious but is also a great song at the same time so is so, yeah. so is so so it's okay
1: covered memorably and brilliantly by Edwin Collins yes uh, fantastic ding-a-dong. version coming right up HMV are back in Oxford Street mm. what does it all mean and uh, Ed Sheeran wins his court case that's mm. next
2: after Kevin Mark Trail. stand on a bridge overlooking the Thames stare at my reflection it's here I learned my lesson stand on a bridge Overlooking the temps. Stare at my reflection. It's here I learn my lesson. Stand on a bridge. Overlooking the Thames Stare at my reflection. It's here I learn my lesson. Stand on a bridge. Overlooking the temps. Stare at my reflection. It's here I learn my lesson feel the wind against my face Feel like life is walking past me I need to focus I have broken many hearts But it seems I broke my own in two In the process I stand on a bridge Overlooking depths. I stare at my reflection here I my lesson I stand on a bridge Overlooking my reflection. It's here I my lesson. I hope the rain stops chasing me. Surrounded by the autumn leaves, I need to focus. I'm declaring love and peace, and I hope it sets my spirit.
1: Song. It reached only number 96 in the UK in 2005 and should have done Goodness much better for sake. Kevin Mark Trail and D Thames.
0: As always, I apologise for the great British public because that was very good. That deserved <laughs> a much kinder fate than that. Yeah. Indeed, nothing.
1: Before streaming, before mp3s the world of music was a simpler undertaking you heard something you liked and if you liked it enough you went to a record shop and you bought a physical product it Mm. could be a vinyl record a cassette maybe a cd and, of course, then most towns had a record shop, but there was a bit of a thrill in going into London and seeing the inc- incredible amount of records available in the giant stores like Tower mm. Records, which was my favourite at Piccadilly yes. Circus, or perhaps HMV at the Tottenham Court Road End of Oxford Street. Mm. Tower Records has long gone, and Oxford Street has collapsed into mm. a, a semi Derelict shell with the the, the only news stores these shops selling American candy with
0: oh, which, dubious which beast, business
1: interests. I was going to
0: say something. a massive tax dodge. It would yes, seem there have indeed. been lots of articles and discussion. You see, not even as good as our friends at the cereal cafe, which I could have worn.
1: <laughs> Exactly, but lo, Jules, here comes news that HMV are going to reopen the Oxford Street store. So, will you be on the train from the South Coast, queuing at the door?
0: Well, I'm not sure if I'll go on the first day, but I have to say I used to very much enjoy even when it was sort of on its uppers before it closed. If I was in London, if I was in that part of London, I would always go and have a look. Mm. And they had a basement in the late 2000s that still had loads of vinyl in it. But when vinyl was not really at the resurgence point, it it very much is now. And I used to like going and listening to things on turntables. I bought some great Beastie Boys remixes down there. And um, I I, I just loved being there and loved a store that was that big that you could wander around for music. So from a nostalgia point of view, I'm delighted it's back. I have some issues with with HMV's pricing structure. It has, of course, been a huge beneficiary of the vinyl revival, which I can't even say. And (laughs) even my local Hastings HMV has huge amounts of vinyl for sale. But it's quite expensive. And I have i mean, me and my, my friend Dave had this habit of going into HMB, seeing that stuff has been re- reissued, standing by the rack, Googling on our phones how much you can get it for elsewhere, and then buying it elsewhere, mm. by and large. I have That's occasionally that. bought things. They have sort of two for whatever, three for whatever offers. But part of me thinks, well, it's great that that store is reopened. But if they really want to capitalize on the success of it, don't don't price gouge on your vinyl i find it really distasteful and yes they might be taking advantage of people that don't know any better but and i hate the phrase serious vinyl buyers." but i can't think of anything better at this time on a saturday morning but you know people that are really engaged in buying records they will know that you're extracting the urine i know that they're extracting the urine but in terms of reopening the big flagship store i'd like you i like a flagship store because i just think it's really cool that that much stuff is in one place and you can wander around and and have a look and find all sorts of things so i would i would love to go there i just hope that they sort their pricing and and, and business ethics out
1: my heart rather sunk when I read an interview with the new owner of HMV. Oh no! Youngish fellow in his late thirties. Yes. He tells us that the Oxford Street store will focus on it, and I'm going to quote now: a lot of entertainment and band-related oh. merchandise. Oh gold! T-shirts and band patches, licensed candies and sweets. Oh
0: no! Not your pl- hmv
1: Yeah. Plush yeah. cuddly toys and rock music um Figurines of oh, pop stars.
0: No, I mean just just sell records at a reasonable price, guys. It's not hard, is it?
1: And in this interview, it turns out that one it, it, one floor might be dedicated to records, so it looks oh, a bit more like a PL, oh PR sake. exercise to me, and a, a, a thoroughly depressing one too, actually. Yes, absolutely.
0: Um, well, in which case, I revise that. If it's about mm, records, I would love to go. If it's not about records, I'm less interested. Yeah,
1: I agree. Now, I've got nothing against Ed Sheeran at all. It's just our worlds don't collide. Me yes. and Ed, I don't think, <laughs> I know this is a shameful admission, but I don't think until this week I'd ever heard one of his songs, which I appreciate it's just failing mm. on my part. Well, so, oh,
0: and also, do you ever go out? Because I've heard them unwillingly <laughs> queuing in shops, for well, example. Well, I might
1: have done you see, but I wouldn't yes, have known and not, and it was no, him. Yes, fair yeah, enough, fair enough. Yeah. enough. Um, I, I heard he'd won his court case in New York in which he'd been mm. accused of ripping off Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. So yes. I thought I should listen to the relevant track of mm. Ed's, which is Thinking Out Loud. Yes. And I thought well, he's, got, he's got a really very nice voice. He has. Uh, now, I could hear a distinct similarity and maybe I could sense um, Marvin rotating in his grave. But the thing is, George, <laughs> these things are. Clearly so tricky to prove in a court of law
0: absolutely yes indeed courts of courts of law I mean uh, uh, what music would stand up well in a court of law is what I would say mm. but it just seems so I was having a conversation with my friend about this um, because um, I recently played on the radio uh, uh, Get It On by T-Rex followed by Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye and a friend mm. of mine said good job Bol- Bolan came first because you know the Gay family would sue the rear ends of anybody for having a similar title and I think this is specifically specific here in that yeah. the gay estate seems to want to sue anybody for anything mm. that sounds vaguely familiar there was a, I mean as, as as my friend puts it I hate to be on Ed Sheeran's side for anything and I loathe that bloke that's involved in blurred lines but the gay mm. estate or oh, my friend described them as a mad bunch of grifters and it's difficult to disagree actually bird lines a horrible record by the way with terrible attitudes towards women but they were sued for a uh, similarity to a uh, Um, got to give it up part one by by Marvin Gaye. And Ed Sheeran, an unlikely advocate for this sort of thing, correctly made the point... Uh, you know, whatever the Latin is for, there is nothing new under the sun. Is what is the point that Ed Sheeran made, which is, you know, there are a limited amount of chords and, and note structures in music when it comes down to it, and there is a lot of stuff you can be inspired by something without ripping it off. As you say, there is a similarity, but I don't think they are the same really. And I've, I've, you know, I, I like my friend, my friend Dan. I'm just, it always seems to be the gay estate that seems to want to go after people, <laughs> and you feel like saying, guys, you know it's tragic how Marvin Gaye died it genuinely is he was a giant of music maybe Marvin Gaye is spinning in his grave not because of Ed Sheeran writing a song that sounds similar like him but because of his estate constantly trying to go after everybody for anything and it just means that they lack credibility if I was a you know if I was a lawyer acting for a client and they sell the gay estate of coming after you or coming after you for this you go oh we've got a good chance here because we can literally stand up in court and say they always do this to Everyone all the time. They are vexatious claimants. There is no merit in this claim. So uh yeah, not a huge fan of Ed Sheeran. And I and I think the funny thing is, is that he's one of those, bless him. I can't understand. How an artist that is so bland is manages to be so marmite. In the sense that my biggest objection with Ed Sheeran's music is that it is fine. Do you know what I mean? That it's, that mm. it's not. It's 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 okay. It's all right. You know he sings nicely. The songs are good. Yet they sort of leave me cold. And the, and yeah, it's you know he's so. It, it's quite a lot of his stuff is quite bland. Uh, yet people genuinely seem to either love it or they just hate him. And and all of the people that are sort of defending him this week I, I always make a point of saying I don't like Ed Sheeran. I'm not a big fan, but he was in mm. the right here. I enjoyed I enjoyed the fact that he sang in court. I thought that was uh, that was that was quite that's always quite good, isn't it? When something um, as someone that's sat through a lot of boring court cases over the years, I would have quite enjoyed that. That would have been quite fun. So um, I'm just glad. That Ed Sheeran won out. And note to the Gay Family Estate: just stop doing this. People <laughs> are wise to you. You are becoming the Lionel Huts of the music industry, the Doctor Nick of the music industry. Stop chasing Ed Sheeran's ambulance and just have some dignity, for God's sake.
1: When you think for about, uh, I don't know, about maybe 500 years, music mm. has either been written down or recorded, and in yes. the last, well, recorded certainly in the last hundred mm. years. Um, And with only a limited selection, as you rightly say, of chord sequences in the world, Mm. it's probably hard to find any contemporary song that hasn't at least some similarity to a song that's gone before. So... It, I think anybody who sits at a piano or a guitar now and um, writes a song for themselves or their band, almost inevitably, uh, if you know there was software available, yes, and you put exactly. that chord sequence into into some software. You'd say, like, "Oh gosh, that's been done five hundred and seventy yeah, thousand exactly. times before." So yeah, it's very difficult to prove. Thanks very much for listening this week. Good to have you along.
0: As always, I echo the excellent Terence uh, sentiments. I'm suspecting
1: that there's probably not much Eurovision on Juliet's radio shows. uh, I
0: I, I don't know. I could go for a little piece, maybe. I've always quite enjoyed that as a kind of an uplifting number. It might fall under the uplifting part of our brief on smooth sailing, which is music that is relaxing, but also uplifting. So who knows? Maybe I'll stick a Eurovision number in there. If it does, then you can you can attribute it to the fault of Sir T for encouraging me. But anyway, 7 to 9 p.m. at noiseboxradio.com on Sunday evening also Lost for Words which is on Thursday evenings from eight um, which is just instrumentals of all and no genres and you can find previous shows on mixcloud.com if you search in Noisebox Radio they have a channel on
1: there and some dreamy pop from Scandinavia to play us out.
0: Absolutely. I recently bought, um, I think regular listeners will probably remember me extolling the virtues of a compilation called Pop Psychedelic, which is French pop over the last 50 years on vinyl. And it was excellent. The same people behind that have also done one called Garage Psychedelic, which is also brilliant. And they've released this compilation, which I very much enjoyed listening to this week on vinyl, but I think you can possibly get it in other formats, called Waves of Distortion the best of shoegaze 1990 to 2022 as a result of which I then have got very into shoegazing music this week Sir Terence and heroically somebody has put up a 12 hour mix on YouTube oh various days. I know I spent all day you know staring at my shoes and drafting leases the other week which is a great pleasure and I came across this on uh, on on this uh, on this kind of mix it's not on the shoegaze compilation though I would recommend that but this came up on this mix wasn't familiar to me but very much enjoyed it nonetheless so so i thought i would pick it for our pods this is a band called moon loves honey and this is tell me more of your lies <laughs> Listening to a parish council
2: production. Let me be the one who's loving you tonight. Let me be the one who literally holds you tight. I knew it. I'll even bring along a magic moon just to make you feel alright. So let me be the one who's loving you tonight.